I thought as we are in this time that post-Christmas, but uh, pre-New Year, I thought it might be a time to just focus on the very words we've been singing. Be still and know that He is God. 2020 and 2021 have certainly been a challenge, but it's not necessarily unprecedented. I think every year is a challenge. Just different names, different faces, different circumstances. Some of you got things to celebrate from this past year. If you were to just pause, you know, how many great things took place? One of the things I try to encourage people to do often is write things down when they happen or post them on Facebook or whatever so that there's a memory for it to, to remind you of them good things. All of us have short memories. You know, something great happened maybe in November, but it's December. And you're thinking, well, nothing good has happened lately. Well, pause and, and look back. What took place? This is why it's helpful to journal even in your prayer times. As you're, you're praying to God something, don't just say it, but write it down. And then go back to review those things and see that God has answered in many ways. And in many uh, uh, incredible movements that he's chosen to do. Maybe different answer than you were anticipating, but an answer nonetheless. It's good to be reminded. There's some good things, but there, there's been some challenging things for people. You know, I think that I was writing down just some things uh, just as I've uh, interacted with people over the last year here, uh, 2000. Uh, 21 was my first full year here in Lynchburg and at West Lynchburg. There's been some births that have taken place, some graduations. There have been some job promotions that uh, have happened here. And, and then the, uh, the celebrated vacations that people take. And, and uh, this is a vacationing group, I will say. Uh, I've just noticed in the last year, nobody's invited me to go with them. 2022, you can repent and... Uh, there's been some retirements, and that's been exciting. Though I spoke to a pastor not too long ago, and he said, uh, don't let anybody tell you retirement's a great thing. It's either A, you don't have enough to do, or B, your wife has too much for you to do, and you just want to go back to work. <laughs> I thought, well, there's, there's some good wisdom there. But there's been some difficulties for people's lives. There's been at least one miscarriage in our congregation. There's been some failed classes uh, for some of our students. There's been some lost jobs. There's been some mounting bills that have been overwhelming for people. There's been some sickness. And there's been some deaths of loved ones in this congregation. 2021 was filled with all types of uh, blessings and battles. Some disappointments and some distractions, but also some, some incredible things. So I thought for this moment and this morning, I want us to, to look over the words of Psalm 46. If you've got your copy of God's Word, why don't you go ahead and pick that up and, and open to Psalm 46. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, please feel free to use the black Bible in the pew rack in front of you. And you can turn to page 441. 
I want us to look over the entirety of the, of the passage. It only has 11 verses, but I think there's some wisdom for us here as we consider no matter what's going on in our life, how do we press forward? Psalm 46 was very instrumental in the life of Martin Luther when he was dealing with some health issues and some more pressing on issues in the church. And uh, he would ask uh, his, his music leader to sing this uh, psalm. Let's sing this as a congregation. He would sing it uh, in his private devotions because Psalm 46 rested his soul in the midst of his troubles. There are four basic movements in this passage that I'm going to, uh, to draw out in here. And, and the first one, just right from verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. You know, the, the first area here in the first three verses, in, in fact, are about refuge. Which is a place of protection. Where can I go when all the troubles are, are, are encountering, the, pressing in on me? Where can I go to find safety and, and security? And it, it, it's boldly proclaiming right at the beginning. There's no introduction. It's just, boom, here's the main point. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The Hebrew word translated trouble literally means a tight space. How many of you love being in a very tight space? You're a little claustrophobic, or you, know, you just don't want to. You don't want to be pressed in. It, it means be pressed in from every side. You you don't have a direction to go, and you're not sure what to do. Your options are limited. Your freedom is restricted. The progress perhaps you were making has been halted. And right at the beginning, he says, "God is my refuge, our refuge and strength, a very present help when you're squeezed in and you're not sure what to do next." Sometimes we're in these situations because of our own choices. When we make bad choices, we, we make unwise decisions, it, it limits our options. There are consequences for these things. But many of the circumstances in our life are outside of our control. Nobody can control the stock market. People can manipulate it, but you, can't, you are not controlling it. You can't ultimately control the, the, the decisions that take place all around you in your, your workplaces or in your community. Though you may be healthy and when you're eating and you exercise, you're not ultimately in control of your own health. Sickness happens. There are many areas in our life that are outside of our control. And verse 2 even mentions, he says, we will not fear though the earth gives way. Literally describing natural disasters. You can't control the earthquakes. Anybody ever been in a place where the earthquake took place and you felt it? It's a little unnerving. Because, you know, when I lived in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, you, you'd feel tremors from, that were happening from, from uh, California. You're just kind of getting up, and it only takes a few seconds, but you're like, what's going on, you know? Did I drink something funny, or, or is there the earth really moving? You know, you can't control the winds that take place and, and the, the hurricanes or the uh, tornadoes. 
You know, the devastation that just recently happened across the nation with these things. You have no control over these things. And it says, we will not fear though the earth gives way. The mountains falling off into the heart of the sea. Waters roaring and foaming. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. These are the things outside of our control. But they're not outside of God's control. I can't answer why God allows certain things, natural disasters the way he does, or even the disasters in our own personal lives that are heartbreaking. But I do know this, God is our refuge because they're not outside of his control. Rather than run to an agency, run to a person for for security and protection, run to God first and say, I know that you are the God over all things. Though the earth may shake, you are never shaken. Though though, uh, unpredictable circumstances take place, I know you are not shocked or surprised. So therefore, I run to your presence. I run to you for strength and protection. You are my refuge. And because God is our help, there's no need to fear even when we believe our foundations are being shaken. God is never shaken. When we face circumstances over which we have no control, God is our refuge. Have you found that to be true in your life? When you remember, though I can't control this, that things are moving too fast, I'm just going to run to God. Job's life was falling apart. If you've ever read the book of Job, I remember reading in in a preaching book uh, the illustration that one pastor decided to preach verse by verse through Job. I thought, how depressing is that? The most depressing was... He spent 40 years at that church just preaching through Job. It's not a church growth strategy, I will say. But in the midst of of the book of Job, in Job's wondering, why are all these things happening? Uh, You know, what's going on? And, and, And his friends weren't helpful. Oh, perhaps it's because of all the sin in your life that God has allowed these things. No, God has his reasons for why he does things. And, and in Job chapter 11, verse 7 and 8, can, it says, can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? There are two truths in, in this life that we ought to embrace. There is a God, and you are not him. We don't always understand the mind of God. And I'm thankful we don't. Because if we could understand everything about God, He wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be all-knowing. We would then match that all-knowingness, and we're not there. Some of you who are parents understand there are things that you know that your children did not when they were growing up. Though they thought you were an idiot. You just don't understand mom and dad. And you're sitting back in your thoughts and wisdom and the experience you've had and go, I can't even explain it to you so you can understand. You're just going to have to trust me when I make a decision. How many of you like children have to just trust God when you don't understand some things? Rather than call God an idiot... Rather than dismiss his commands or his ways or his directions, you just trust and follow 
and, and, and know that things will be just fine. The place of protection is in the presence of God. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the trouble of the tight space we find ourselves in. Moving through the passage, I find this as a refreshing verse in verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. I mean, having just talked about the troubles we find ourselves in and all the things of, of the earth naturally uh, uh, having a natural disaster taking place and you have no control, he immediately moves from uh, saying the refuge is in him. He then goes to refreshment and he says, there's a place of permanence you can find. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Oh, his presence brings refreshment. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Think about a river. It, it is refreshing. You know, it's cool and it's constant. This is a position of permanence that every time we go to God, there is a refreshment that we can find. It's never going to run out. God's presence is mentioned here, and this river is a, a, a illustrative of, of the beauty and refreshment and cooling nature of God. God is in the midst of her. How many of you on a hot summer day have ever jumped into a, a pond or a river somewhere which is cool? There's nothing like it. I've got a pool back here. We can put some water in it. You can jump right in. Years ago when I was in college, I was a little more... Um, uh, daring, I would say. I'm not so daring anymore. I'll let my kids be daring. But, but when I was in college, some friends and I, we were in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where I was going to college at the time. And, and uh, a hot summer day, I think this was May or June, and we decided to drive up to the Grand Canyon, uh, just several hours north of Phoenix. And, and uh, as we were at the top, it was, a, it was when you get up there, it was uh, cooler, maybe in the mid-60s, 70s, you know, at the top of the, uh, the south rim. But we decided, let's hike down to the bottom. Now, it is a long ways down. But we're college kids, we're, you know, we've got some energy, and so we began to hike down there. And it's, it's a winding path, but we got all the way down there. I think it's an eight-mile trail, if I recall correctly. Anybody correct me on that? I think it was about eight miles down. Not a big deal. We got down there. At the bottom, though, it is not mid-60s. It is about 150. Well, maybe not quite that much. But it was hot that day that we were at the bottom. I mean, man, just scorching. The sun just, boom. And you know what's flowing through there is the Colorado River. Has anybody ever hiked down that? All right. Anybody ever rode the donkeys down there? I don't know what's better, to hike or ride the donkey. It didn't look very good. But, you know, and, and I knew the donkeys had been there because we had to avoid the path they led, you know, left for us. So we got down to the bottom, and I'm like, oh, it's like a, it literally was like 110, 115 degrees. And I said, look at that river. Let's just take off what we can, still be modest, but we're going to jump in that thing. And we did. Boom. Do you know how cold that water was? It was probably about 40 degrees. I jumped in thinking, oh, it's going to be great. But then, man, I just froze up. I think my heart stopped for a few minutes. You know, oh. but then when you get used to it, I don't know if you get used to 40-degree water, but at that point, the contrast was so great, I got used to it, and it was refreshing. Oh, man, it was so good. And we got out of that water. I'm like, man, that was awesome. 
And then we had to hike back up. And it, hiking back up was more like 25 miles because it felt that way. But there was just something about that moment in the heat and, and just find that cool, refreshing nature. And I wonder if there have been times in our life that the heat has been so hot and you can't control it. It's sapping your energy and you find yourself jumping into the presence of God just like, cool and refresh me. Because I can't take this anymore. And I find joy in that. Some of us avoid God until the heat gets too hot. Perhaps we ought to find our refreshment far more and realize that the place of permanence is always available to us. God is not going anywhere. This river is inexhaustible. It reminds me of the conversation Jesus had with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. Jesus answered her, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You remember that conversation that Jesus was interacting with the woman at the well and he says, give me a drink. And, but the reality is too often we think God's asking something of us. In reality, we ought to be asking of him because of who he is far more. God is able to nourish us and refresh us far more and any more than we'll ever be asked of him. This refreshment from the refuge that we have found in God leads us to verse 6. There's a reassurance here, what I call the place of power. In verse 6, it, it goes you know, from this, this refuge because of the troubles that we have to the refreshment of that river that's flowing through. And God is always going to be there to now all of a sudden some difficulties again. In verse 6, the nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. It begins in this thought process of showing where the power is. It's not with the nations that are raging all over. It's not with the, the power structures or, or those who are pressing in on uh, your, your challenging life. It's not any of these things. God speaks and he's over all. He utters his voice. The earth melts. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Boy, what a strong tower he is. No matter what's taking place, God not only is a refuge of, that he can protect you, he is a strong fortress. No one can defeat him. We ought to be reassured that God hasn't gotten off, uh, gotten off his throne, that he hasn't been conquered, he hasn't been defeated. Sometimes we're ready to throw in the towel because we think it's all said and done, and God must have abandoned us, and that is never the truth. Allowing the, the lies of Satan to get to you. You notice it says in verse 8, Come, behold the works of the Lord. Come, behold the works, the things he has done. How many of you could, if you, if you sat down just for just a few minutes, maybe even take a whole half hour and just write down all the things that you have personally experienced, all the things you have seen where the hand of God was in it. Perhaps it took months, perhaps it took years, but over time you've seen God's hand in your life. And he has shown himself mighty. He's shown himself trustworthy. He's shown himself glorious. Behold the works of the Lord. 
which reassures you that he is still powerful in your circumstance today. Even when we don't have our own circumstances or our own testimony to look back to, perhaps you've not seen God fulfill his promise in your life in some area. You can look to the scriptures always and, and learn from the testimonies of others that God has been faithful and powerful in lives. Some of you, I know, are praying for wayward ch adult children that have left the Lord, and you're like, I just haven't seen God bring them back yet. Listen to me. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. God is a powerful God, and he, you, you see this throughout Scripture, and you see this uh, in, in the history of the church. Behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to, to uh, cease to the end of the earth, he breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. And the psalmist speaks of the war and the bows and the spears and the chariots. And none of them, which would be considered very powerful, none of them were more powerful than God. God can break them. God can cease. God can, can redirect. And God is still in the business of doing that in answers to your prayers. Have you been reassured that God hasn't stopped working in your life and through your life? There might be some challenges you're facing now. You're thinking, oh, I'm so thankful 2021 is going to be over. But unfortunately, some of the same issues you're dealing with today are going to be in the next year. They don't just stop because the calendar switches. The same God that we pray to, the same God that we speak of is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The place of power is in God. We ought to be reassured that he hasn't stopped. This reassurance to us that God is strong and able ought to reassure you that he is fighting for you. Sometimes we have to lose control and, and stop fighting because it's God who does the fighting. I want you to think about Romans chapter 11. In verse 33 and following it says this, Oh, the depth of of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. I mean, there's enough right there that could take you to meditate for weeks. Oh, the depths of the riches, the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Where do we go for wisdom? Where do we go for knowledge? Where, where do we go for the resources that we need? If we don't go to God first, you have totally short-sailed what, what's possible. How unsearchable, it goes on to say, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? I mean, who's making suggestions to God and him going, huh, I hadn't thought about that. I know we do it often in our prayers. Rather than going to God saying, God, I don't know what to do with this, please, would you do something? We go, God, I wish you would do this and this, and if you could work that out, and then if you could do it this way, that would be great. Uh, God is humored, I would believe, that when we have the right heart, but perhaps the wrong prayer. Let's just go to him and say, God, I don't know what to do. I've got some thoughts, but I really want your ways. You know, I, I, I've done some things, but I really need your power and presence in this. 
The verse goes on, for who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. You know, it tells us in Scripture that, that we, we live and move and have our being in him. It tells us that whether we eat or we drink, we do it all for the glory of God. So therefore, when we live our lives, do we live in such a way that we seek him and that we want him to work in us? He want to work within here to make sure this is right, but then work through us so that we do not get any of the glory because we're not trying to do things for ourselves. We just simply want to live in such a way, whether we're eating or drinking or whatever we do, we want to do it that he would get all the glory in our personal lives and in, in our family, in, in our church. What are we doing and how are we living in such a way that, that we're going to get to the verse of be still. But how do we live in such a way that when life is just overwhelming, we go glory to God because he's about to show himself mighty. It's outside of our control and nobody could ever look to our lives and say, look at Chris and look what he's done. They can just go, wow, that is impossible for any human being to answer. So God must come through. And when he does, we all worship him. Isn't that what heaven ought to be like when we get there? We're not just patting each other on the back. Well, you did a pretty good job. And oh, that was pretty nice. And, and, and we move some things along. But we just get there and we bow our, our heads and we go, God, you are great. You are awesome. I, I can't imagine how you, first off, why you chose to work in me and through me. But I'm thankful because you get all the glory and I just got the joy. The overwhelming nature of God. When he works in us, he begins to flood out of us. I wonder what battles you're fighting right now that you just need God to fight for you. Where he gets the glory. I wonder this year what you've had in your grip so tightly that God hasn't answered because you're still doing it on your own. And you just need to go, it's all yours. God, you do with it what you desire. Open-handed living. God, you, you bring things to me, but I want to just give it right back to you. Which leads us to the final verses, these final two verses here. As we find refuge in God as our protection, we find refreshments from the permanence of God. He's not going anywhere. The reassurance of his power, not ours, leads us to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God, which means you are not. Be still and know that he is God. A place of rest and it's a place of praise. When you're still and you then know that he is the sovereign one, he is the glorious one, he's the majestic one, what happens? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. This great, exalted, holy God is with us. He has chosen to be with us who are not holy, who are not majestic, who are, who are not almighty. We're weak vessels that God has chosen to be with us. But in the recognition that he is God and he wants to be with us, we exalt him. We, we exalt him all over the world. He, as the host, is with us. The God of Jacob, once again, is our fortress. As I look at this verse 10, I, be still and know that I am God. I, I looked over several of the different translations. I preach from the English Standard Version. But various different translations translate this in a different way. And I think it may be helpful to us today. Be still and know that I am God. In the God's Word translation... It says, let go of your concerns, then you will know that I am God. In the, uh, both the Holman Christian Standard Bible and, the, and the, uh, uh, the Christian Standard Bible, the revision, says this. Stop fighting and know that I am God. You feel like you're in the boxing match and you're just wrestling and, and hitting all these things of your life. You know, uh, in the old days when I was growing up, they, they, I did watch WWF, you know, whatever they called it. You know, I wasn't as big of a fan as my wife was, but I, I was a fan. And, and the best fight matches were when they had the tag team. Somebody's in there fighting and then whatever. And then they go over and they hit their buddy's hand and the buddy jumps in, you know, and they're, ah, here's the picture for you. You're fighting your life. Why don't you just tag? and let God take care of it. And you sit out there and you go, oh, let you go. Go, God, you win the battle. Stop fighting. Know that he's God. And my favorite translation is the New American Standard Bible. And it says this, cease striving and know that I'm God. You're pressing forward, but too often we press forward without the power of God because we're doing it in our own strength. In the contemporary English version, it says this. Our God says, calm down and learn that I'm God. I get the picture there. They're, they're bringing out, you know, you're a little anxious. You're, everything's just crazy, you know, and you, you see people who are, that respond to life's troubles this way. They just go crazy. I don't know what to do. It says, calm down. There is a God who loves you and can take care of this. You don't have to stress out. And in a paraphrase of the Bible called the message, just to paraphrase an individual who's trying to say it in a way uh, that people could understand it. It's not a literal translation, but it is helpful at times. Eugene Peterson writes of this verse, step out of the traffic Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Above politics, above everything. What a way to say that. Be still and know that I'm God. You step out of the traffic. You, you, you see striving and, and pressing. You stop fighting. You calm down. And you're just still. Because God gets the praise when you're still and you watch to see what he can do. 
Be still with your words. Be quiet and listen. You know, you learn a lot more when you're listening versus when you're talking. We got these people in, in our lives. Perhaps you're one of them or you're sitting next to one of them. Who just the answer to their problems is just let me talk more. We can do that with God. Let's rush into our devotional time. Let's just tell God everything. And then we walk away and we don't listen. We don't read the word. We don't take in and, and, and sense his presence and direction. To be still and know that he's God means you need to be still with your words. Stop speaking. Stop complaining. Stop arguing. Stop criticizing. Stop jumping to conclusions. Stop speaking without knowledge. Stop giving false testimony about others. Stop judging wrongly. Stop speaking words of pride. Be still with your words. Perhaps as we consider verse 10, we ought to be still with our actions. You don't run ahead of God or act in a way that is contrary to God's will. Too often, we want God's blessings without providing obedience to what he's already revealed to us. God bless this and fix that and do this. But I'm going to live my life the way I desire. Blessings without obedience are contrary and do not happen. Perhaps we need to be still with our heart. By humbly submitting to him. God, I'm not coming to you with an agenda. I'm coming to you with a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. I just need to surrender that. I can't move forward until I know that I'm totally yours. Perhaps you need to be still with your mind. Some of your minds, like mine, race all the time. Be still and know that he's God by being still with your mind. Know that he is God and you are not. And you don't have to figure it all out. You can trust. I know God's strategy here is countercultural. I don't know how many uh, emails or, or news reports over the next couple of weeks you'll see. You know, hey, you want to change this in your life? Set this thing up and do this and make this resolution. Try this, do this, do this. Do this and you're going to get a list of things that you're going to do. And some of them can be very helpful. I'm not discounting resolutions. I'm not discounting some ways to get more organized or be more healthy or, or advance in your career or any of those type of things. Perhaps the greatest thing you can do in the new year is to be still and know that he's God. To have an open-handed living and, and, and do something that is God's strategy versus the world's strategy. Too often, our fix to things is, is that we get busier, we get louder, we accumulate more stuff. And with every added, quote, help, we add more complexity to our lives that do not fix the situations. In this last year, we've decluttered quite a bit in, uh, in our church, some closets that hadn't been touched in years, and there were just things that, you know, as we looked at things, it just, or, do we need this? Does it work? No, it's broken, but we kept it just because. And so we decluttered a lot. I know that was painful for some, but... You know, there are some times we accumulate stuff because we have a memory of it, but it's of no value and it's just weighing you down. I wonder how many things in our lives that we've got in our schedules, 
in our houses and our in our lives that are just clutter that are not helping us glorify God or move forward in our situations. Perhaps being still is not adding more, but to release some things, to remove, to declutter, so you could simple, be simple and focus on that what that that matters. The things that we add too often are just stuff that screams for our attention. And then our faith begins to falter and we grow fatigued. And then we fail to hear the voice of God. What is it in 2022 that you might need to be still and remove so that you can know with certainty that he is God? Let me read this last psalm in verse uh, or 131. Psalm 131, listen to these words. In Psalm 131, verse 1 through 3. My closing thought today. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my spirit or my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother... Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. My prayer for you and, and all of us is that we could calm and quiet our soul. That we could be still and truly know 